Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 180 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here, as always, to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for being with us this week, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Have you ever been watching coverage of mountain biking on TV or on your PC or wherever? EWS, UCA, doesn't really matter, but mainly downhill you'll see this. And you see the rider coming into the paddock with all these wires attached to him and all these sensors on his bikes. Well, that is basically known as data acquisition. And it's telling the rider how the bike setup is suited to him, his skills, his way of riding. And it gives you all this kind of data about how he's braking, his lean angles, his speed, all these crazy statistics, basically helping him become a more efficient and a faster rider. Well, that's what we're chatting about on this week's episode. We're chatting to Nick Lester, the founder and owner of the data acquisition company called Dynamics. Now, Nick started Dynamics after trying a few of these different systems himself and finally realizing the one that worked best for him and give him the best results. But these things are expensive. So he thought if he purchased this, he could maybe offer it out as... Something that you and me, just an any day rider, can actually use, can hire, can get his expertise in the software, and we can spend the day with him and get our bike set up 100% for us. We can get it set up so we're braking properly, we're getting the right lean angles, going into corners, all this kind of stuff. Weight distribution, everything, it goes into everything. The software is absolutely amazing. And it's actually very, very interesting how much it can change your riding and ultimately how faster it can make you on a bike. So we chat to Nick about all this stuff, how he got started, what the software means, how we can best take advantage of it as, let's say, a weekend warrior or somebody who races three, four times a year, something like that. Because it is for everybody. You can use it on downhill bikes, you can use it on enduro bikes, hard tails, full suspension, don't matter. Nick can get it sorted for any kind of bike you're on there. So let's find out a little bit more about data acquisition and how it can help you and me become faster on the bike and on our trails. And let's welcome Nick to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast. How's things this evening with you, sir? Ah, uh, yeah, it's all good. Thank you. Yeah, not bad. Excellent, sir. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for coming on and chatting about your your business dynamics. Um, I love your tagline, that data driven descent. <laughs> That's classic, dude. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's classic. And uh, we're going to get into it. It's data acquisition technology, so it's it's kind of measuring what the bike's doing, what you're doing, all that kind of stuff, right? I don't really know much about it, but we'll, we'll get into it in a wee bit. But I want to really speak a wee bit about you just in your background. Like, How did you get into mountain biking in the first place? Um, I think it seems a long time ago now, but I, I sort of just spent a lot of time out on my bike as a kid. Um, I wasn't really into football or cricket or anything like that i just love going out on my bike and i found myself doing it more and more and then um sort of a group of us from school would go out weekends and sort of escalated from there i remember my dad saying to me he sort of 
he's he's a big golfer, so he was trying to get me into golf, but that wasn't really my cup of tea either. Mm. Um, and then we talked about team sports. I wasn't really, I wasn't much for a, for a team sport. Um, so I, I, I thought, yeah, I'll take up cycling. So him and my mum looked into um, local cycling clubs and got involved with one of them. And yeah, it just escalated from there. Wow, cool. Like, where are you beer starting, mate? Uh, I, I'm in uh, Hampshire at the moment. I grew up in Berkshire, which is a bit further west. Um, so yeah, sort of in the south of England. Like, what did, yeah, what did you, what did you see about bikes? What, and you know, what attracted you to bikes? Had your friends do it or anything like that? Or, um, yeah, there were, there were a group of us who did it from, you know, in the evenings after school and at the weekends and stuff. But for me, it was just being able to get out. Um, I really enjoyed just being in the woods on my bike. It was just, it was far better than anything I'd experienced before. Um, and it was just the freedom of it. I liked the feeling of going fast on my bike and, um, yeah, there was just something about that, that, that just kept me interested and has, has, you know, done, done so ever since really. Yeah. It's weird, you know, like even, you know, because I remember asking and asking my listeners a while back, you know, the reason, the main reason they, they mountain biked and the majority came back and said, because it allowed them to be in nature. You know, and even as a young kid, you're saying that's what you enjoyed about it. That's what drew you to it. It's quite strange in a way that, you know, bikes can do that for us. It's it's one of those yeah, tools that why. allows us. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something I would have. It's not something I thought about as a kid. I don't think I didn't. You know, it's looking back on it. I think that's what it was. Um, if you'd asked me as a kid, it was just because I like being out with my mates and I like messing around on my bike. But there was some about just being out in the woods or in the middle of nowhere and we didn't have bike parks or um that makes me sound old but we didn't have bike parks or trail <laughs> centers or anything then we sort of have to just disappear in the woods and either find our own stuff or make our own stuff so yeah it was just some, something about that that just um really kept me interested in it yeah happy days and did you you know from that age did you continue riding bikes or you know did did cars come along and girls come along and all that kind of thing did did you continue riding bikes through that period <laughs> well but when i started driving that's when i sort of started riding less and then i did discover going out and drinking and girls so there was a period where there was quite a long period where i didn't ride um maybe I think it's about 12 years. I got back into it in about 2014. Right. Wow. Quite recent. Yeah. 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 I was, um, I always sort of, I always kept an interest in it. I'd keeping an eye on who was riding still and what, what sort of racing was going on, but it was nowhere near the level of interest I used to have at it and, and having it now. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it was just the teenage years and going out and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's so much young talent out there, but when they hit that age, Dude, it's it's difficult to keep at it. You know, I've heard that a number of times. It is, yeah, and I see kids now um, at races these days, and I think they, they show so much potential at an age where I gave, I didn't give up, but where I sort of took a break, and um, I just sort of, I keep my fingers crossed and pray that they don't sort of do the same thing I did, because I dread to think where I, I would have been now if I if I sort of stuck with it and didn't didn't sort of do the typical teenage thing but no regrets yeah yeah cool now you race downhill is that something you still do and and uh when did you get into that when did you get into the downhill scene uh i didn't start racing downhill till 2017 right wow um 
Yeah, yeah. I was always a massive fan of it. It was always my favourite type of mountain biking. I used to race um, back when I was sort of 13. I think I started racing. I was doing cross country. Downhill was really new. And um, I don't think my mum and dad wanted me doing that sort of thing. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I was uh, doing cross country, which I was absolutely rubbish at. Um, I always used to watch downhill and it was my favorite, let's say my favorite aspect of mountain biking. I used to read Dirt Magazine every month without fail. Um, but I never really got into it until much later on. Yeah. It's weird that you went into downhill because most people nowadays kind of go into the enduro side of things. Like, So what attracted you to the downhill over the enduro stuff? For me, um, I do like the enduro stuff I've, I've only done one enduro race um but for me downhill is um i don't know it's just the best it's the most pure form of racing i think you only get one run um at the highest level you only get one run and uh, there's something about about the bikes and the whole the whole scene that just for me make it the, the best part of mountain biking yeah, it's it's insane what those guys are doing, right? Like the stuff, unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it's and I think you don't actually realise. You know, there's there's a local trail that I go to, and I went I went off. There's a rock drop that I've never done before, and I done it the last time I was out. Now this thing's maybe ten or twelve foot high, and it's kind of vertical at the end. You know. And it just looks that you can't do it. But once you do it and you see it on video, it almost looks flat. (laughs) (laughs) And the stuff you see the guys doing in the Downhill World Series and all, like that stuff, it it looks big on screen. So what it's actually like in real life, just, I I don't know, it would just blow my mind. Like, Yeah, I remember the first time I saw a World Cup track in the flesh, I went to... um, lords in 2015 and i couldn't understand how these guys rode down that terrain at the speeds they do and then when i started racing well i don't i don't race anything like that but you you get a real good understanding of why these guys are the best in the world um and how they and and, you know the sort of stuff they're capable of Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Like a lot of that stuff, you look at it, and I think, well, you would just have to jump off that. There's no way you could actually ride a bike down that or whatever. But these guys <laughs> seem to be able to ride bikes vertically, right? <laughs> mm. Yeah, they do, and they don't. Um, they don't hang around doing it either. <laughs> yeah, they don't slow down. No. Wow, wow, that's cool, man. So, are you still actively involved in the racing then? Will you enter local races and stuff like that? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I didn't do any. Ra- racing last year because um covid didn't allow it um so i didn't do any racing last year which was a killer but um yeah this year i'm hoping to get back into racing um and it's my first year in veterans as well so okay cool and what are you you hoping to get on podiums what are you thinking yeah that'd be great yeah this is the best (laughs) chance i stand of um getting in a podium because i'm entering the a new age category at the at the um youngest point rather than coming out of masters at the oldest point so um yeah this is probably one of my best chances to get on a podium so i'm gonna go for it happy days man happy days have you been doing much kind of covid off time training and stuff uh yeah what i can yeah we the gym's opened up for what seemed like 
15 minutes and then they shut yeah. again so i did get down the gym a little bit but i do what i can here i get out on my bike as much as i can um it's pretty flat around here but at least i can get out and do some riding so i'm doing what i can yeah yeah cool man cool well let's chat about dynamics and uh, how this all started so how did you get into the the data acquisition technology um is that something you tried first and then get more kind of educated and how did it all come about i was originally i was looking for ways to help me um and i was looking at various different systems um and they just seemed to be too expensive just for too much of an outlay for me just to try and make me faster because some of them are at the price of new bikes so wow yeah it didn't seem like an option it seemed a bit extravagant and it was out of my reach to do just just to try and make me faster and then i thought of ways that maybe i could if i could buy one and then offer it out as a service that seemed a bit more of a realistic way of doing things and i could help other people get faster as well so um i'd known about all these systems for three years before that and i took an interest in them because i'm very sort of particular about bike setup and i do a lot of uh, research into um, all sorts of bike technology and things like that and this was one that really sort of interested me because i was i was quite a big fan of formula one um, and the way motorsport use data acquisition is is super impressive and it, it offers them like huge gains and insights into performance gaps and um it started to be used in in downhill and enduro as well so get involved in it really because i saw big potential there to to make myself faster and help other people get faster as well mm, yeah did you know anybody on the circuit that was using it or did you know any of the pros that were using it or anything like that i knew of yeah i knew of, of pros that were using it um and then i had uh as i got more involved in it i managed to to talk to a few people who worked on uh as world cup mechanics who were using it um so the, the system i chose led me on to talking with um the late dave garland who mm. helped me out um more than i could ever put into words with regards to the system and using data and bike setup and and things like that and then he led me to to the likes of Nigel Reeve, who worked for Canyon, and Stevie Smith back in the day, and um, Craig uh, Miller, who worked for Lapierre. Um, so through through getting involved in in the data acquisition systems, I've I've managed to talk to people at really high levels who've used it at the highest level of racing as well. Yeah, and there's I, I understand there's different types of systems out there so what system do you use i use the stendek um, data system which is the one dave built from the ground up um and it's probably it's the most comprehensive system that you could get for mountain biking it offers um a massive insight into almost every aspect of the bike and the rider as well and the way the two interact with each other um so, yeah, it's probably the most advanced and complete system you can get. Right. Wow. Wow. Yeah, cool. Like, um, I've seen your videos and stuff on it. It, it looks quite difficult to read. Um, 
just to know what you're doing and the best way to get things set up, is it something you had to teach yourself or was this something that Dave helped you with? How did you go about that? It's not as it's not as complicated as it looks. I thought it looked quite complicated as well when I first saw it, but um, Dave Dave's taught every bit of it that he could. Um, and it's really just using a combination of different data channels to to find um, whatever it is you're interested in looking at. And it's not it's not as complicated as it looks. There's, there's, you can look at the squiggly lines, or you can look at look at the me- the metrics, which is a lot quicker way of getting data. Um, so the, and then it's all synced with um, video footage from an onboard camera. So whatever's happening on the track, you can see in the video, and then you can also see in the data as well. So if anything looks a bit peculiar, you can look at the video and see if there was any feature on the track that caused that, or anything the rider did. So it's um, yeah, it looks like there's a lot going on, but it's it's not as complicated as it as it looks. Right. Okay. Like, what's your background like? Are you involved in something similar to this, or? No, no. I um, uh, I've worked in all sorts of jobs, um, but the one where I found I sort of enjoyed looking at data was um, the working at a paper mill where we make currency paper for banknotes. Um, wow. Yeah. So there's all sorts of all the machinery there feeds into a big a big acquisition system if you like and you can find out all sorts of information about each machine and you know any aspect of it so i used to um i used to find looking at that quite fascinating and seeing you know what the machines do when they're ramping up in speed and all this other stuff so this that's when i realized i really like this aspect of work and then when i found that i could couple that with racing as well it just seemed like too good an opportunity to pass up (laughs) yeah yeah like (laughs) When you when you bet the bullet and you and you bought that ticket, you had to buy this machine. Was was it a big decision? Like, I'm sure it was quite a big outlay. Um, did you did you think that you could turn it into a business on the side? That was your main your main kind of thinking as well. Um, yeah, it was a big decision. It I did think about it for a long time because I wasn't quite sure. It's a big step. Yeah, big step for me anyway to just go and start up a company and sort of put my neck on the line, really. But it was something I felt so passionate about and something I, I already had such a massive interest in that I felt like um, I've sort of got to take this opportunity while I've got it, really. Otherwise, uh, I would probably just have, I would have regretted it if I hadn't gone for it. So, <clears throat> yeah, after thinking about it and and um, sort of doing a little bit of market research crudely through Instagram stories, I sort of realized there was a gap here that I could I could make a a go of it and um yeah and chats with dave as well dave was dave has done numerous of these testing sessions before with not only with world cup riders but with with all sorts of levels of riders and um yeah he was he was a big part of making me go for it as well so yeah happy days happy days all right so let's let's break it down a wee bit and um can you tell us how the system basically works then you know bike setup stuff like that yeah so it's got there's um there's a main bike which all the sense and there's um a number of sensors that are fitted on the bike they all um feed data back into the logger along with the camera and then um at the end of the run you plug the laptop into the data logger you download the run 
and then you can choose different scenarios depending on what what aspect of the ride in or the bike setup that you want to have a look at um and then from there you can go as in depth as you want um to try and fine tune a certain aspect of the bike or a rider input or whatever you want to have a look at um mm-hmm. so the system is the system's recording all sorts of things from um collective g-forces at both axles to lateral position of the the frame um rider input suspension travel uh corner arcs and lean angles um yeah all sorts of stuff um a lot more than just suspension a lot of people think it's it's just suspension but there's a lot more to it than that suspension is just one one part of a much bigger picture and suspension is affected by every other aspect of it as well so you need to be able to see what your suspension does when you put the brakes on or um you know how putting the brakes on affects your lean angles and things like that so that's what i mean when i say this this system gives you a lot more um insights into every aspect right you know other than just suspension yeah yeah it's funny isn't it because when you see some of the stuff on youtube or whatever of the pros you know getting testing up and getting hooked up and all this kind of stuff it all you know because it's because it's just a, a preview or whatever or a, you know it's, it's just snippets of what they do they always kind of concentrate on suspension so you just automatically think that it's all about suspension setup you wouldn't think about all those other things like that's quite amazing yeah and a lot of um a lot of the other systems don't don't go to that level a lot of them are and suspension especially downhill bikes of, of what they do but um like i say the suspension is also affected by everything else around it so um it's not uh people are very quick to point their finger at at suspension being an issue when they have a problem with the bike like it you know it's it's not it's not providing enough grip or it doesn't it doesn't seem settled when you go through a rock garden people always assume that that must be a suspension problem but when you look at all of the data that i can get from this system you can you can see that suspension firstly might not even be a part of the problem or if it is it's a lot smaller smaller um percentage of the problem than you think but you don't know that without seeing all these other data streams first yeah wow you know it's interesting because i think the industry puts so much kind of oomph into the suspension that comes on your bike you know like you get bikes now with suspension there's so many settings on them it's like freaking working a computer or something you know (laughs) And for the average Joe, it just it just boggles brains. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It can seem overwhelming when you've got twenty-two high-speed compression, and then the same again on low-speed compression. It's easy to see why people get lost because it's not um, it's not easy. It's easy when you know how it works, but if you were just your average Joe trying to get the bike to feel right, um, yeah, I can see why it's totally mine mind-boggling and it it's all just guesswork as well without data yeah i know what you mean yeah with yeah because there's so many variables into the run you do even if it's the same trail there's so many variables into the way you lean the way you take a corner what pedal stroke you're doing going into that all these things without the data as you say you're just really guessing right so you're just kind of it's how you felt on that on that run yeah yeah and it's um 
you need to try and reduce as many of those variables as you can. And that's what we do when we go testing is just try and reduce as many of the variables as possible because there's so many in this sport, there's so many variables as it is. The more you can reduce and the ones you can control, if you control them as best you can, then the data is going to be more accurate. And then not only do you get rid of the guesswork and the trial and error, but you get to a, a better bike setup and better um, rider technique a lot quicker as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what kind of bike does it suit? Can you put it on full suspension, hardtails, anything you want, really? It's it's best suited to full suspension bikes. You could put it on you could put it on a hardtail, but you're only gonna be using sort of sixty percent of it. Um so it's best suited to hard uh, sorry, it's best suited to full suspension bikes. Um and really it's sort of the the riders I've worked with have all been enduro races or downhill races. Um, there's no reason why it wouldn't use it on a cross-country bike, for example, but it is geared to help gravity mountain biking more more than other types. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, so I know most people, if you ask guys that work on skills and stuff, most people say that, you know, they have a problem with cornering and braking and those kind of two areas do you find something similar when you're on people through the data you know can it tell you that that you're breaking too late you're going into a corner too fast all that kind of stuff for yeah definitely yeah and in my experience what the the most important or the the data you get shocks the riders the most is is their braking or their inputs mostly um because this system will tell you uh when you're braking and how hard you're braking because it's got a sensor that measures the brake pressure so you can see how hard the brakes are on how long they're on for and then like I said, using the video you can tell when the rider's braking as well mm. and and every every rider brakes in the wrong in the wrong place so <laughs> it's not um <laughs> it's not something that um you should feel bad about because it's, it's like it's something that you see all the time that riders are break like dragging brakes through corners or braking to and then using using the wrong sort of braking technique, so it's um, yeah, braking's a big one, and that's a quick win as well. Once you show a rider that they're dragging the brakes in an area where they might have subconsciously done it and not known, um, once you can point that out to them, on I guarantee you, on the next run, you you will see a lot less braking. Yeah, you know the braking thing. It's amazing because I definitely know I go into corners too hard, you know, and break too late almost, and mm. especially berms and stuff like that. But it takes a lot of confidence to let your let your brakes off and let the bike do what it's designed to do and the tires do what they're designed to do and make that berm work for you. Um, like, would, would this kind of data stuff give you confidence in those areas you know what it say to you well you can push in there x percent more or is that kind of how it works is that how it feeds back to riders yeah in a roundabout way yeah it's not quite as it's not quite as cut and dry as that but you can show a rider that you can show a rider what happens when they break in the wrong place so if a rider's if a rider's breaking in a berm you can show them that not only is that obviously killing your speed but it's also making the bike using the lateral, using the, uh, sorry, the lean angle sensors. You can show the rider that the braking in the corner is actually the bike's trying to stand up. And then also <clears throat> while the tires are trying to grip and turn, they're also trying to slow down as well. 
and tires can't multitask very well. So you you ideally want the tire to just do one thing at a time. And you can you can show the rider this happening um, using the traces in the in the uh, data system. So, and then as you are sort of fine tuning the setup of the bike, the rider will the rider will feel that they've got more grip and the bike's more composed. And then if you explain the dynamics of what happens when you brake and you sort of you you explain that your the rider's weight shifts forward, the rear wheel becomes unweighted to a degree, and then the bike isn't in its right geometry when it's coming into the corner, and you can show that with data, then all of a sudden it it makes a lot more sense rather than um, just trying to show that without data. If you were just trying to explain that theory, it sort of makes sense. But if you can back it up with evidence, um, and if they did that same corner again correctly, they'd be able to see that not only did they not only did they not lose speed, but they they carried speed and came out of the corner quicker than they went in. The lean angle was a lot better, and they didn't get any oversteer or understeer. Um, it all starts to make sense once you can prove to a rider that what the data is showing is actually faster and then they can feel it as well. It's, um, it's a quick win really. Mm, yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's so much, there's so much involved in that one simple thing of breaking, you know what I mean? It's crazy. What, what about weight distribution then? Because I'm sure that plays a big part in it. And we hear a lot about that kind of thing at the minute, you know, when, when we're listening to shows online and whatever, the weight distribution is so important. How does the data kind of show you the good and the bad of that then? You can measure, there's a rider input sensor that's mounted to the front of the bike and that will tell you, that that can show you um, if the rider's putting too much weight through the front of the bike. Normally the problem, if you, you can see on the trace, if it's if the line is um, going up and down like mad, you can tell that the rider's got too much weight over the front and if there's if there's very little movement in the line, then they're too too far weighted back. Um, so what you want is to try and get them um, in the in the right position so that that line almost matches the um, the front wheel G force or the or the dive sensor, so that you can see then that they're they're not putting any excess force through the front wheel. They're they're sort of uh, the forces are balanced if you like. What they're putting through the front is the same as the front is getting through the trail then you know they're sort of in the right place. And um, it's a lot easier to do on on the longer bikes we have these days because the riders don't tend to move around as much as they did in the old days when the bikes were a lot shorter and steeper. Mm -hmm. Um, The riders' weight distribution was a a bigger variable. They were a lot more all over the bike, whereas now where the bikes are longer and more stretched out, once you get the rider in the right position and they understand how that feels on the bike, then – for the most part, that that's generally a good place to be, and they they shouldn't need to sort of move around a huge amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like have you tried this? Or well, I'm sure you have tried it on yourself. Um, have you seen benefits to your own times and your own riding? Oh yeah, yeah. So I was when I got my when I got my system, I put it on my bike, and um, that was one of the the i looked at properly with dave was um some of my own riding and i quickly found out all sorts of things i thought my bike was pretty well set up but when i looked at the actual the the data i was getting back i was my sag was incorrect on uh on the rear my weight was was not far forward enough Um, my braking was horrendous um so i learned very quickly 
Uh, I mean, I had it on my bike for about two months and I saw, um, I found I was finding a lot more speed um, way quicker than I would have done if I was just left to my own devices in that time. Um, so it was it was really beneficial for me finding out all these things that I was convinced my bike was set up properly and I thought my braking wasn't bad, but obviously I was I was miles out and I wouldn't have had any clue otherwise really. Mm. So Yeah, it's it is crazy how it can actually help. Like do you see much difference between body position and stuff like that from a downhill bike to an enduro bike? Can you ride those things the same or do you have to ride those very differently? They are um there's a lot more similarities than you think because of the nature of of enduro the the racing is done downhill um so a, a downhill bike the um i don't know how to describe it really so <clears throat> an enduro bike is uh an enduro bike has two jobs to do if you like whereas a downhill bike only has one job to do so a, a downhill bike is a lot um it's a lot easier in that respect to Mm. to analyze the rider and get the bike set up an enduro bike the right they're very similar the data looks very similar it's just everything seems a little bit scaled down on an enduro bike if you like to a certain degree things like the act the the g forces at the axles are slightly more because you've got less travel um and the bikes the geometries a lot closer than they used to be now so the bikes in a are, are quite similar but you just have to take into account that an enduro bike has to get to the top of the hill as well as race down it. Yeah, and the bikes are getting closer. There's no doubt, no doubt about it. So that might make your job a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but G forces and stuff like that, you know, the pedaling. I suppose it can tell you what what you're putting out. Do you see a big difference between riders of what kind of power they're putting through the pedals? You can't. Uh, we don't measure power through the pedals, but you can see uh when you when you look at different riders when they sprint you can see some different characteristics and that again that comes down to um that'll come down to where the rider is on the bike when they sprint um as to how it affects the balance between the how the suspension's working under pedaling loads um so it's it's quite interesting to see um what happens to a bike when it's being when it's being sprinted um there was a lot more to it than i thought when i i was just doing some sprints up and down my road with the data system on and then trying to look into the data because it's something i overlooked for a little while and then you realize actually there's quite a lot more involved in sprinting a bike um than you think and the, the bike's doing a lot more than you think as well yeah yeah certainly no i can understand that and there's you see so many different techniques from people sprint as well oh yeah yeah it is um so i've all i used to do a bit of um racing on the velodrome as well so i was i've got sort of um i tend to sprint sort of a bit more towards the front of the bike um it's not a massive amount but it's noticeable in that the um you watch the suspension moving under sprinting both units are using about the same amount of travel whereas sometimes some riders um because they're putting their power more directly through the the 
bottom bracket or they're weighted slightly towards the back of the bike they the rear shock tends to soak up more of the um more of the forces in the front if you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah man it's it's so interesting um like does it work for all kind of riders you know is it best for intermediates is it best for weekend warriors like who does it work for who can benefit from it i honestly feel um almost any rider could benefit from it there's um it might seem like it's a bit over the top for your average weekend rider or your you know your grassroots racer but um there's so much you can gain from it in you know even if it's just getting the bike optimized or um understanding your you don't even have to race to get any benefits from it you could have <clears throat> you could have spent a fortune on a new bike um and you just want to get the most out of it then you'll benefit from it or anyone who wants to sort of, anyone who wants to feel more confident on the bike um or be more competitive or uh just understand their riding or go or just go faster um and i haven't met a rider i haven't met a mountain biker who doesn't want at least one of them mm-hmm. um <laughs> so this this system will help this system will benefit you in at least one one of those ways depending on what sort of level you want to be at i mean these guys in the world are using this technology to go even and if it, if it can benefit them then it, it can benefit any one of us yeah no I, I certainly could see the benefit from it for sure and you know that's the thing like i don't when i get on a bike it's weird like obviously i'm just doing your kind of average setting in most bikes but until i got on a bike recently there all the bikes i kind of got used to quite quickly and they felt quite similar until i got on one of the new nook proofs and it just felt so good um like why do you think that that was is there just is there just different bikes that suit different people better or yeah yeah possibly i mean um Bikes all work in different ways depending on on how the frame, the, the kinematics of the frame work, if the suspension is on that bike, and then if the sizing is better, it's going to feel better. So there's loads, like I said, there's so many variables. There's there's so many reasons why a bike might feel better, um, and it might be that you got the setup of that bike a lot, you know, a lot better to, or a lot more suited to your riding than you did on a different bike. Mm. Um, so there, there's there's so many reasons why why a bike might feel better, but I think suspension aside, if you get the sizing right, that's the biggest. Um, that's one of the biggest hurdles, if you like. I suppose if the frame size is wrong, there's not so much you can do to make it right. Yeah, yeah, you're really stuck then, because then you're making compromises with stem length and um, all sorts of things just to try and make the bike fit. So yeah frame size is really important and then the suspension is so good these days um that it's it's really difficult to buy a bad suspension product so then it is just a case of working on that sort of roughly where you think's right with that if you're not using data then you'll roughly sort of get it to where it feels right for you um and then yeah it's all the rest of it's then personal preference tires and pedals and that sort of stuff yeah yeah like as with this nick you know as as you progress through through your your riding and stuff and you get better and you get more used to your bike and 
all that stuff and you get faster and your technique hopefully gets slightly better and you don't teach yourself bad habits like I do a lot of the time. Real <laughs> <laughs> guilty of that. <laughs> As a rider, is is you know this this kind of system is it something you would need to be doing on a regular basis or once a year or once every six months how do you look at that um i suppose it depends what you want to achieve you want to you need a question that needs answering first so if it's if you're a racer then in an ideal world you would have facility available at every race to help you get through practice to get the bike set up as best as possible ready for that race run um obviously that's difficult unless you are a world cup racer yeah um so it might be something that what what we do with most riders is provide them with a with a with a bike setup that is um a really good baseline to go almost anywhere with and then it's just a case of um two or three clicks here or there on the suspension because that's the only other variable once you know that you're weight distribution's right and once you've got a better understanding of your braking and your cornering behaviors and things like that then the only other variables of things um and suspension setups so it's it's sort of a good way to get a really good base setting um and then if you were to to change bike or you wanted um help for a specific race or a series of races then it might be something you want to do um as and when or sort of two or three times a year it depends what sort of it does depend what you want to get out of it really or what your goals are with your riding as to Mm -hmm. how often you would use a service like this yeah yeah and i suppose i suppose for the downhill thing it's maybe slightly easier because as you say it's just the one run and it's the same trail whereas the enduro you're doing five or six different stages which are probably all different um so it's quite hard to set the, the enduro bike up like that. But that's, it makes sense, actually, what you're saying, if you get a good kind of base level set and then you can tweak it either way if you kind of have a fair idea what you're doing or how the bike's feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's where <clears throat> that's where enduro's got more challenges because they do te- they do a lot more riding over a lot more varied terrain than your downhill racer would. Um, but as long as you have uh, a good baseline to start from, you'll be a lot more confident in almost any situation no matter what the trail does because you know that the bike you know how the bike should behave and you know that it's set up to to work in the majority of these conditions so it should help you it should help you feel a lot more confident going into any race run or any any sort of situation where you know if you go to a new bike park for the first time you'll know that the bike is there or thereabouts and you won't have to do a lot with it, <clears throat> which is a lot closer than you would have been had you not have done any data testing and you would have you would have just guessed. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge comes then that you've you might have been riding that bike a certain way for however long. Um, and now you've got to get used to it because you've done data testing and we've got your um, or optimized in a much better way. You then sort of have to. Uh, the rider has to understand that it take it's going to take a bit of time to get used to that because it will feel very alien at first. Um, so it's, yeah, it's sort of it's learning 
to adapt to a new setup but understand as, as you go through the day's data testing you'll you'll feel that you'll get more confident with it because you'll feel the bike behaves a lot better yeah it's it would be very very cool to do and um you know like take us through if you don't mind kind of take us through how it works then if somebody comes to you kind of take us through the day and, and what you do and, and how you work through it <clears throat> so it takes um putting the system on the bike's not a five minute job it takes ideally i have the bike the day before and i can put the system on the bike um it depends there's two levels of service we offer there's just the straightforward data testing and then we do the a sort of enhanced service if you like where i give the bike a complete overhaul um as i'm putting the system on i'll i'll be checking uh, to make sure all your pivot bearings are okay and headsets and bottom brackets and um, all those bearings are in good shape and then checking the, you know, brake pad life, what, giving the bike a really good once over to make sure that it's in the best shape it can be in and that you're going to get the most out of that day's data testing. And then um, by doing all that the day before, that means that the next day when we do, uh, when we do the day's riding, you've got a full day then of, um, of just doing runs um and then we can properly focus on getting getting everything set up making sure that the rider understands um how their behaviors are affecting the bike um and how they're working together uh and then you just get a much more productive day out of it and then um afterwards we will go through either through um through something like a skype call or we can go through it in person where we go through the data in a lot more detail because um, in between runs you don't really have a lot of time to sort of go through three or four minutes of data maybe so <clears throat> we'll quickly pick out the bits we need to make the adjustments on the bike or feedback to the rider and then they go up and do another run um, and then we're checking you know to make sure you can check on the video to make sure improvements are happening you can check the times to make sure they're getting quicker um, but the idea is that afterwards we can go through in a lot more detail um, all the little nitty gritty bits. But during the day, it's necessary bits to keep the to keep it running. Um, so yeah, by the end of the day, you should have a bike that's a lot more, um, a lot better set up, a lot more composed, um, a lot more balanced, and then you should have a lot better understanding of of your riding, and then things you can go away to work on afterwards as well like your braking and cornering and things like that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i take it you just use the one trail on the day is it best to be kind of your local trail or you know is, is it something like that that works best or <clears throat> yeah i mean we'll go to the best thing to i say it's, it's about controlling the variables so if um if there's a, we'll go to wherever the rider feels most confident or the a trail the rider knows best um because then it it sort of gets rid of the fact that they need to then try and learn a new trail so they're on a trail they're confident on they can put down sort of fairly consistently quick runs um and then the trail should have a sort of a bit of everything if it can um all sorts of different materials and trail features and surfaces um but then you, you also don't want a trail that's too long or too short mm-hmm so but you don't have to just stick to one trail you'd have one trail which is your control trail and you do the majority of the riding on and then you might try a different trail just to make sure that it does work on you know that one's got a bigger rock garden or 
you know, a gnarlier route section, you're going to try it out on that trail to make sure that it's working. But then we'll, we'll go back to the sort of control trail, if you like, and we use that one to to sort of validate everything and uh, use for timings to make sure that you are actually going quicker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of – so it's a mobile service. So you, you actually can go out to the client's local trail networks. Is, is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, because wow. that's the only way – that's the best way I find it. Even if I'm asking to, to me, say, we don't have any big hills here. We don't really have – we don't – most trails are sort of a minute, a minute and a half long. Um, and then you're asking a rider to sort of try and learn that trail as well to get up to speed. Um, so in order to get the the best data for the rider, it's better for me to go to them uh, and for them to ride a trail that they know and they're confident on because then, again, you make the most out of that day. You, you get a far more productive day because you're not asking a rider to learn a trail and get more confident on a trail and um, they sort of know where they are. They're in their comfort zone. Um, and you, I just find you get the best you get the best data that way. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I take it it's just, it's not something you can do with a couple of friends. You have to kind of do it yourself and concentrate on your own bike and your own ride, and it's, you couldn't really do two at the same time or something. No, no, you don't. Um, mainly because the system only, because the system takes a little while to put on the bike, um, I only do one rider at a time. Uh, and then the other reason is as well, it stops. If you've got a couple of riders there, um one rider might be listening to feedback or giving to another rider and then you got you get sort of cross-contamination of the yeah. feedback and data so riders start picking up on things that aren't really relevant to them and then it starts influencing their riding in the wrong way and so it's far better if you just do one rider on the day you focus on them um and you you know then it's only you and them and you can concentrate on on helping that rider and then the other rider you do on another day yeah yeah cool all right uh, i want to touch a little bit on the dirt fund project because it was daniel that kind of connected us together uh, and mm. got us got us chatting like this is a service you're offering to all the riders who get funded by the dirt fund project like what made you want to do this and want to want to help these racers because it's a lot of time man. it's a lot of your your personal time you're you're giving up here it is but i find i I just feel it's such a worthy cause. We have we have so many fast privateers and um, races in this country that struggle to get to World Cups or um, even nationals. They struggle to race at a high level because they haven't got the funding, or um, it's mainly a funding problem, or you know they they haven't got a sponsor to help them out. So anything that can help these guys get to the level they should be racing at. Um, I think is a is a brilliant idea, and the Dirt Fund project was just something to me. It just sounded like such a good initiative because we don't have British cycling is pretty rubbish at supporting um, downhill and enduro, um, so you can't really rely on them. Um, so yeah, some, when something like that come came up and they they asked if I wanted to get involved, I was yeah more than happy to because I I think there's some riders out there that really do deserve a lot more support than they get, um, and the and if if I was in that position and I got an opportunity to race at, at a World Cup level, um, then I, I it would just be something that would benefit me hugely. So anything I can do to help, you know, I'm I'm down to do. Yeah, 
That's pretty awesome, man. That's pretty awesome. Now I know I know the Dirt Farm project's only been going for like three months or something. Um, mm. Have you had a chance to set anybody's bikes up yet? No, not yet. I've I've only been involved with them for maybe a, I don't know, maybe a month now, three or four weeks. Um, and that time we've we've been in lockdown. They've supported three riders now, and all three of them, um, all three of them are super keen to to get the system on the bike and get some data testing done. So. As soon as the restrictions allow, then we'll get on that because I'm I'm also keen to to get to work with them. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be cool, man. It'll be great to get their input into it and see how how it actually helps. You know, um, like I'm sure they will be super stoked to have something like that done. I'm sure they they will get their eyes opened. Like, yeah, I mean, I've spoken to all uh, all three of them now, and all all three of them are, are very keen to to have this facility available to them because it's not something that it's not people are even aware that is available as a service they see all this technology and and this sort of stuff going on at, at world cup level and i don't think a lot of people realize that it is available to to them as well so um yeah these guys will when these guys found out that this was available to them they were like straight e- emailing me straight away so they're super keen to get on it yeah and like you, you you know you look at those guys you look at the footage of those guys riding and you think if they can get a system that within one day and a bit of practice here and there can actually make them faster in a lot of areas like it kind of blows your mind yeah yeah because these these guys aren't they're no slouches so they're um to help them go even quicker still and and help them be more competitive um is, is a massive sort of it's, it's a huge goal of mine to try and help them get faster because they're already fast so mm-hmm. to to find and close up some of the gaps they might have in in what they're doing and how <clears throat> is um it's a challenge i really want to get stuck into yeah i'm sure man you'll have to do a trip over to ireland then if you're going <laughs> to yeah 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 because there's uh one of them's over there isn't he yeah yeah <clears throat> uh, so yeah, that'd be interesting. Like, we should really try and get a few guys here that you know will make it worth your while coming over, and yeah. uh, you know, pay you pay you a few bob to get it done and stuff. So <laughs> we'll need to get that set up for you. Yeah, I'm down for that. I'd love to come to Ireland. Yeah, that'd be cool. You could do you could do a few days over here. Uh, for anybody kind of looking to do it, uh, Nick, and looking looking to do something like this with you, what can they expect to pay? Do you want to tell us prices or anything? Yeah, like I said, there's two there's two packages. So the first one is uh, 250 pounds, and that's his data testing. Um, so we spent, <clears throat> like I say, I'll spend the day before, or it, it'll be a few hours before getting the system on the bike, and then the next day we we'll do a whole a whole day's data testing, <clears throat> and then you'll get. Um, afterwards you'll get like a full breakdown of all the data and and there'll be a full report on where your bike started and where your bikes ended up settings wise and set up and then uh, also stuff i've i've looked at and found from from what the riders doing so i give them as much feedback as i can other service is the uh same service but with it with a big we call it the pre-data overhaul beforehand so your bike gets a like a thorough once over everything gets checked uh, to make sure everything's working as it should um and if there's any problems or anything that might affect the data beforehand then i'll let you know you know like you might you might need um 
you know, pivot bearings changing or your tires on their last legs, anything that might affect the data, we can get sorted out. So, um, yeah, that, that one is £325. Okay, yeah. And, like, if you're travelling to them as well, man, like, really, that's, that's pretty good value. Yeah, yeah, and I see it that if you spent, <clears throat> most of us have spent a pretty considerable amount on our bike, and, and um, most of them are set up, I'm not going to be working as best as I can. So if you think you've spent two, three, five, seven grand on a bike, another 250 quid just to make sure it's working perfectly, it, you know, at the bare minimum is, I see it as a worthwhile investment. Um not only that, we can help you become a better rider as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a massive difference. And, you know, you've got images on your website, dynamics.com, and there's images of the bike with the sensors and all on it. And it's not as, you know, the sensors aren't as big or as clumbersome as I thought they would be. You can't really, you don't, you wouldn't really even see them on your bike there at first, first glance, you know? No, no, most of it's all fairly, it's, you can conceal it quite well. Uh, the bit that stands out the most in the data logger on the front. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, all the cables and the majority of the sense, unless you properly look at the bike, you probably wouldn't even realize at first that it had a system on it. Um, it's only when you start looking, you could see the brake pressure sensors and you could see the um, the start-stop button on the handlebar and, the, and things like that. But otherwise, it's a pretty it's a pretty clean system. You don't really see it. Yeah, very cool, man. Very cool. Is this something you can do full time at the minute, or is this just kind of like a side hustle for you? Uh, it's taking up a lot more. Well, it was taking up a lot more of my time than it took off a lot quicker than I thought, and then COVID <laughs> shut it down a lot quicker than I wanted as well. So, at the moment, it's something I do alongside my day job. But if it if it keeps going the way it is going, then um, it'll be more that it, it'll be the day job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, very good, man, very good. Um, have you any kind of future plans for Dynamics, or are you just going to concentrate on what you're doing at the minute and, and see what happens down the line? Yeah, I just at the moment, it's just it's just building it up um, from where it is, just concentrating on what I'm doing. I've uh, Hopefully this year I've got the opportunity to work with um, Jack Redding and Dan Slack on the World Cup circuit. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it would be good to to get involved with those guys and maybe spend a season. Um, uh, and then, then we'll see what happens really. It's uh, I want to do more of that sort of testing and then anything I can learn on the world cup circuit can definitely help any other riders at, at, at every level. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. just sort of building it up from where it is and um, yeah, just trying to help out as many riders as I can really yeah cool man cool it's very very cool indeed um so if somebody's interested how can they book how can they find out more about what you do there uh the best place is the website www.dynamics.com you can go on there there's all the information on there if you want to know um if you want to know why data is useful to you or there's a uh, an faq section there so most of the most questions people ask are already answered there and then you can book online there as well um or you can get in contact through Instagram um, at, at, at Dynamics is the Instagram account, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have got in touch with me through there. A lot of the a lot of the customers I've got lined up for once we're allowed to go testing again, they've 
they've just got in touch with me for Instagram. So either way works. Yeah, cool, man, cool. And we'll stick all those details on the show notes and stuff so people can easily get in contact with you. But here, Nick, thanks so much for coming on, man, and opening my eyes about uh, how this stuff works. I, I never really thought about it before. And um, it sounds it sounds very, very interesting and, and something that we all should probably do at least once, right? Especially when you get, when you spend three grand or four grand on a bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think it can, um, you you don't, you definitely won't get any negatives from it. You'll walk away feeling a lot better about works and how you ride it. So I feel, I feel like everyone could get an advantage from it. And I don't want to sound, it sounds obviously like I'm biased, but if I was, if I was not involved in this, I already felt like data acquisition could, could help a lot of riders. So now I am involved with it and I know it does, it, it does help other riders at all sorts of levels. Then yeah, it's definitely something I feel that could help anyone out yeah cool cool well nick thanks so much for coming on and chatting man it's been great to get an insight into it and um i hope things open up with this covid and you can get back out in the road there and get testing these guys and i'm really looking forward to, to hearing how it affects the uh, the the dirt fund project dudes because uh that'll be interesting to see that'll be really great so thanks so much dude i appreciate you coming on no worries thank you for having me it's been great That's a wrap for episode 180. I hope you enjoyed that, folks, and you got plenty of information from that. I know it can blow minds, and I know it's maybe a little bit like a physics lesson at times, but I know Nick kind of toned it down for us because the man's knowledge and the statistics, what it throws out, all the data stuff is uh, far beyond my means. So um, I think he kept it quite simple for us, which was awesome because... I didn't really feel like a lesson on physics, uh, but it is unbelievable advantages if you want to get in contact with Nick. I'm sure he will sort you out, and he will be over in Ireland at some stage. And if anybody's interested, just drop me a line, drop me a message, PM me on socials, whatever, and um, I can make sure that Nick is about and we can get something set up for you because it is an unbelievable thing that he's doing there, and I'm sure it can help anybody that's keen to use Nick's services so nick thanks so much for coming on i really did appreciate you coming on the show and i really did enjoy our chat you know you never really think about this stuff in too much detail but it does seem to give you a real advantage on the trails um, and on racing and stuff so it's amazing to chat to you and get more insight into it and i hope 2021 goes well for you the covid thing gets lifted and you get out to visit more people and uh, you help them get faster on the trails so good luck with that Now, folks, if you want to know more about Nick or more about Dynamics, just simply go to the show notes, mtb-tribe.com, and you will find a little bit more there on what we chatted to. There's a video there on how the whole system works, and you can get links to Nick's socials, etc. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to show your support, the best way is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. If you're not on Apple, don't worry, you can find us and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio or any other good podcast platform. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every episode from there for free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. You can also get involved on social media at MTB Tribe 
on Instagram and Facebook. If you want to get in contact with the show, you can simply PM me there. Or if you prefer the old-fashioned method, email is best. Info at mtb-tribe.com. I will read your email and I will get back to you. So that's it for this week, folks. I do appreciate you tuning into the podcast. I do appreciate you listening this long to the show. And uh, of course, I'll be back next week for another exciting podcast episode. But until then, as always, get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTV stoked. <laughs>